This is Mark Steiner, and you're listening to Soundbites, our weekly look at food, agriculture, and our future here on The Mark Steiner Show. From your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community, and broadcast on Delmarva Public Radio, WSDL 90.7 FM. Today, we're going to bring you the first part of a town hall meeting I moderated in Baltimore City on food and jobs and how neighborhoods can become more self-sufficient. It was part of our Food and Faith Project, a collaboration with the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health's Center for a Livable Future. This town hall meeting took place in Sandtown, Winchester, which was at the center of the Baltimore Uprising and was the neighborhood where Freddie Gray lived and was arrested. He died in police custody at the age of 25, and I sat down with three members of the faith community who were all working on food issues in interesting ways from holding large grocery chains accountable for the food they provide to Baltimoreans with limited access to fresh food, to putting people to work through the construction of hoop gardens that can feed their neighbors. Our guest and host, by the way, was Elder C.W. Harris of Strength to Love, Two Farm, and Newborn Holistic Ministries, Antoine Bennett of the New Song Community Church, and Melissa Kelly of No Boundaries Coalition at St. Peter Claver. So I want to welcome you, and I'm going to actually let Elder Harris do the welcoming because we're in his home, and Elder Harris is at the end of the table, who's, uh, of course, Strength to Love Farm and the Newborn Holistic Ministries, and Antoine Bennett is next to him of New Song Community Church, and Melissa Kelly, Kelly excuse me, from No Boundaries Coalition. And before we begin, I'd, I'd just like to begin and let Elder Harris welcome us to his place and tell us a bit of a story about where we are and why we're here. Well, I'd like to say to everyone, welcome to... Um, Newborn Holistic Ministries. This is uh, one part of its ministry. Uh, you in the facility of uh, Jubilee Arts. And the um, where you're sitting is our dance studio. And um, for those of you all who do not know, those little squares that you see uh, are, are our mirrors, but they're closed. Um, um, you're on historic Pennsylvania Avenue. Pennsylvania Avenue was the um, uh, the place to be years ago. Uh, live entertainment. All of the um, uh, singers that sung in bygone years and are yet alive. Some are yet alive today traveled through this corridor many years ago. This was a part of the Chitlin Circuit. In other words, from here, they went to the Apollo. But every city had its uh, place of entertainment uh, for African Americans. And they call it the Chitlin Circuit. So this was one of their stops. So the Supremes, Cab Calloway, Louis Armstrong, uh, Billy Holiday, Stevie Wonder. I remember when he started little, little Stevie Wonder. Little Stevie Wonder, <clears throat> work out, children work out. I got a song. I think we you know we used to go to the Royal Theater to right. see that live entertainment. So uh, welcome. I thank you uh, for being here, and. Um, and I welcome you into the communities of Sandtown, Upton, and Druid Heights. Thank you. I'm glad you all came out tonight, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me begin. Um, 
Are we really going to spend this, the next time, with your help, joining in the conversation, exploring this community and exploring the power and potential of community and what it can do to change the nature of life and people's lives in terms of not food but beyond food and how that all fits together, how food fits. It's the centerpiece of all of that and creating a new world. And so, and, and I think you, you, if you look outside here, as you walked in, uh, to this place, and Martha's house is across the street. Yes, it is. Uh, it's another very powerful institution that they manage for women. Um, that, and the houses across the street are the ones that Elder Harris put together, which he'll talk about in a moment, for the people coming out, uh, returning citizens and re- renewing their lives and rebuilding an entire community here. You have to understand, this was just not long ago where we're sitting now. People from all over Maryland will come here to buy drugs mm. on these corners. <coughs> Um, cars would pull up to buy their heroin, buy cocaine, buy crack, whatever it was they were buying. And this is being reclaimed. So we're going to talk about that reclamation during the course of time and how food fits at the center of that. And, and again, let, let, me, let, me, let me just go down the aisle. But let, me, let me start at Elder, because I want people to understand what all of you do. And Elder Harris, I mean, just talk about, I mean, you, you had this vision. You worked with the people in this community, came from the bottom up. And you, you talk about the food and beyond and, and what's being created here get a a feel for what's in this neighborhood. Uh, Yes, what's being created is opportunities for folk in our community, especially people who have been forgotten, to have hope. And um, I became um, members of organizations which centered their lives around uh, community development. Uh, Gordon Cosby in Washington, D.C. was one of them. And John Perkins, who uh, is the founder of uh, CCDA, and that's Christian Community Development Association. And uh, we holistically work to uh, change communities, but more than that, um, help support um, the lives of those who have lost hope, and um, and we learn from one another. So um, that's my part. Antoine Bennett, who's beside me, and I've been uh, uh, an example to him, mm-hmm. and he has his report also. I say all three of our panelists represent churches and religious spiritual communities in this neighborhood. So we can go down that line. So please go ahead, Antoine. Talk a bit about the nature of your work with New Song. Uh, sure. That's uh, sort of multifaceted. Uh, born and raised here in the uh, community of Sandtown. So I uh, certainly have, I'm 44 uh, this year. Uh, I know I don't look it. But uh, <laughs> 44 uh, years old. So I've seen the Nadar, the lowest point of our community. Uh, I remember crack cocaine when it hit. Uh, the community and it hit hard um, to not, not being at the highest point in the, the total uh, vitality that I know communities can be uh, but certainly we're I think we're hitting plateaus that are in my opinion irreversible with home ownership uh, with the education of our children uh, with the uh, connection to gainful employment in our community for the residents and so the work that New Song has done uh over the last 27 years has been amazing. I've been personally affected uh, by and have tremendously benefited from 
uh, new song. Uh, and I don't know at what point we want to talk about Gary's Goods. We can do that along the way. Uh, yep. This is a wonderful uh, uh, store. Uh, this is not the only uh, intersection that has been restored. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what do you call it here? Resurrection intersection. Yes. Uh, and so uh, we have also our resurrection intersection uh, just two blocks west of here, uh, which is Freshman and Stricker Street, which in my opinion is historically probably the most dangerous intersection. Uh, that I can remember. Um, I, my life was changed on that very intersection where I shot a man and almost killed him. It was through the grace of God that he did not die. And, uh, you know, at a tender age of 18, I was uh, had my first big vacation, uh, is what I call it. Uh, but to be able to come back to that intersection uh, through ongoing efforts from a faith-based community and faith-based uh, effort, uh, it just uh, does more than elate my heart, uh, and I can talk about Gary's goods and who Gary is and uh, who I am a little bit more moving forward, but the church is dedicated to helping to uh, build characters, helping to put the neighbor back in the hood, helping the uh, same young men we see out here and same folks we see out here uh, go from ex-cons to icons, and I can talk about that a little later. Mm -hmm. And I want to introduce now Melissa Kelly with the Boundaries Coalition that comes out of St. Peter Claver, which is a church just catty corner to here, the Roman Catholic Church. Hi, my name is Melissa Kelly. I am the health chair for the No Boundaries Coalition. I'm also a parish member at St. Peter Claver. I'm not a long-term resident of Baltimore. I've been living in Baltimore for four years. I've been in Sandtown for two years. I used to come up here every summer from the time I was 13, probably stopped by the time I was 20. <clears throat> when I came back up here in my 40s, I seen that there was a tremendous change in Baltimore. Um, the one thing that I noticed when I came up here, I was one day I wanted a banana. And when I asked my husband where could I go down the street to purchase a banana, he told me, that I would have to go to a grocery store that was miles from here. And I'm like, for a banana? But if I wanted to go down the street every day and buy me a bottle of vodka, I could do that with no problem. So that's one of the reasons why I became the health chair at No Boundaries, because I'm sure the one thing that we all have in common is that we like to eat. And over here, we don't have access to healthy foods. We don't have access to a grocery store. We have access to a Save-A-Lot that's not in our community, and I'll speak a little bit later about what's going on with Save-A-Lot and why I won't shop there and why if you live in this community, you shouldn't shop there either. So and we get, I want to get to all these stories. Let's begin with, we've all talked about food here, and that's part of what this is about, food and faith. And the idea that these communities once, and Elder Harris, you remember this as a younger man, these communities actually fed themselves. Whether it was the Arabs, whether it was people growing their own gardens, whether it was the grocery stores around, there was food here. And livestock. And livestock mm -hmm. here. Yes, it was. Chicken. We raised chicken. And I won't tell you about the hog we had. <laughs> that, was, that was illegal. <laughs> But 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 chicken, and, and and you've watched that deteriorate over the years. Over the years, um, well, there was an ordinance, and we could not raise chickens any longer in in in, in the community. 
So um, yes, that all that all changed, uh, uh, along with uh, uh, the loss of of jobs because of Bethlehem Steel closing down, and um, and and uh, uh, Black Flight and integration had to do a lot with that, you know. So let's talk about the rebuilding of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you started out, but you, you had this vision that began in the, that, that that communities could actually begin to take care of themselves. Oh, absolutely. Right? And so this, 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 you began it, but you had this larger vision of what a farm could do, what farming can do in this community. Absolutely. Um, uh, f- farming was a staple of our existence. And um, it is a, a, a staple that has been forgotten. Uh, we 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 purchased pro, uh, processed foods and 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 we became weaker, sicker, and um, and we need to go back to uh, Mother Earth and go back to planting, canning, uh, the way that my uh, my parents used to do. So um, what we decided to do, along with the city was to um, install um, these crop squares, six hoop homes. We count as a crop square, and we are able to hire returning citizens from incarceration to, um, uh, to do the gardening. And um, that's, our, that's our beginning. Uh, I, I partner with uh, big, big city farms, uh, that's uh, pretty much ran by uh, Ted Rouse and his crew. And uh, so he's a for-profit. I'm non-profit. I grow, and he um, uh, distributes. And that's what we are doing. Also, uh, our folks in Radio Land can't see this wonderful uh, picture here that um, I received $1,000 for, or $5,000 for, uh, I became the People's Choice Awards for this drawing that you all see here today, and we hope to plant this across the street from where you are. So these are our efforts, along with the efforts of other farmers, like they used to do in bygone years, to bring uh, food here, food that won't harm us, organic vegetables, fruits so that um, we don't have to go 10,000 years away from here to receive what's nourishing to our body. And, and one of the things we talked about before we began, Melissa, uh, just to, um, to uh, you, you mentioned Save a Lot earlier, mm-hmm. and which is probably the closest large grocery store. Yes, it's um, right on Pennsylvania Avenue, and there's another one on McMaxon Street. So you did a little survey about Save a Lot's. We did. Um, no Boundaries has been surveying Save-A-Lot for the last year. We have surveyed every Save-A-Lot in pretty much every community in Baltimore City. And we found at the Save-A-Lots on East Caroline Street, Pennsylvania Avenue, and McMeckin, which is in a prominent community, but still that's only where the African-American community has to go shop that's close to here. Those are the only three stores that we found out that were selling expired foods. 
Um, in April, I had a meeting with the corporate manager and the regional manager of Save-A-Lot. I went in with about eight bags of groceries of expired foods. I had our treasurer with me, which is, she is also an attorney. Um, needless to say, there were other community leaders there. They did not want me to make my presentation in front of the public. We had some type of words because I'm like, you are selling expired foods to the community. Eventually, after the community leader meeting was over, I got to meet with the corporate manager and the regional manager and got to show my presentation to them. They promised me another meeting in one month where me and our coordinator would do a walkthrough through the store to make sure there were no expired foods in there. A few weeks ago, I went to Save-A-Lot, and I have pictures on my phone if anybody would like to come up and see them. And it's just a couple of things that I took pictures of in the frozen food section. One of them has an expiration date of August 23rd, 2014. The other one has an expiration date of January 21st, 2015. So I emailed Save-A-Lot and let them know that we didn't have our meeting in a month because of the rioting. I gave them a couple more weeks to get their stores back together. So when I emailed, I told them they had until last Friday to respond to me, 4 o'clock, end of the day. They didn't respond to me, so my next steps are to go to every news channel, every newspaper, and blast Save-A-Lot and let them know that they are selling expired foods only in the African-American community. And just like Elder Harris was saying about the processed foods, and you wonder why our people have more diseases than anybody else, and while our people are dying in these streets every day, if the only grocery store that we can shop at is selling expired foods. And most people, when you go to the grocery store and you're purchasing pot pies and your TV dinners, you're not looking at the expiration dates. You're trusting that that store is not selling expired foods. People can die from food poisoning. If you're eating something that has expired in a year and a half, like they're killing you. And they didn't care. They did not care at all. They didn't want to meet with me. We had to press and press for us to have that meeting. And they had an attitude with me because I walked through their store. <laughs> they told me I didn't legally have the right to do that as a consumer and a health advocate and a person that just cares about people in general, period. I have the right to go through a store and look and see if what I'm getting ready to purchase is expired or not. You're getting my money. So the one thing that I'm trying to do with Save-A-Lot is I was just speaking to our health coordinator just now. I would like to try to do with picket signs in front of Save-A-Lot. They are selling expired foods, and I need as many people standing behind me as possible. So they can see this, and maybe they will stop selling the expired foods in the community, which is inhumane and is against the law, or should, I mean, should be, should be against the law. But they're like, okay, call the Food and Drug Administration, which I've emailed them, too. I haven't got a response yet. But selling expired foods and is against the law. And we were partnered, and we're still partnered, with Baltimore City Health Department, and they were there at the meeting, and they knew that I was going to do my presentation. But they threw me under the bus and acted like they didn't know why I was there and what I was bringing. So the next day, they sent me an email for me to email dial 311, call 311 about expired foods. Like, are you kidding me? You're the health department. You can shut this door down. 
that I think that I'm going to come back to this because I think it's emblematic of what has to change and where we have to go. And and Antoine, I, I want to, I think also the stuff that you, that you began. I just want to get these stories out first so we can kind of tie them together here. Mm-hmm. What you all began in where, where you all live with Gary's Goods. Yes. And I remember when, get, when you all came on my show five years ago, whatever that was. It was when Gary's. We first, were both younger. <laughs> <laughs> But the idea, and we joked about it being the Starbucks in the hood. Yes. But that there's a, there's a vision there too about what can be. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Gary's Goods, uh, and Gary is a Gary Palmer uh, is a lifelong resident of Sandtown as well. And <clears throat> excuse me, his his desire was to at some point be a proprietor in the community. He was uh, at that point a new homeowner and um, had came from. Uh, like many of us growing up in the hood from, you know, check it pass. Uh, and through his work with uh, New Song and working in the community and Newborn, uh, he, he realized that he wanted to give back in a much more deeper way. And so in short, in 2006, we began planning the opening of uh, what uh, was to be Gary's Goods, uh, as Gary as the prime, primary owner and me as a uh, solid partner. And... Um, I think what made Gary's Goods unique was that we did not have great store, any type of protective uh, items on our windows, uh, no bars, anything like that. And so it's just quarter of an inch thick plexiglass, well, glass rather, uh, two plane glass uh, on the outside. And, and what I think really appealed uh, to our community when you entered uh, Gary's Goods, there was no plexiglass on the inside. And so there was a real uh, sort of customer uh, to merchant uh, uh, relationship there. And it was intentional. It was intentional. And in short, uh, we were open four years uh, before we uh, decided that we needed to shut down and regroup. And I can explain later uh, what what has happened since then. Uh, But I can tell you, in four years, uh, we have never been robbed, Uh, be it strong arm robbery, be it gun, uh, and we stayed open uh, mornings. Early in the morning, we opened to uh, being open uh, fairly late at night uh, in the summer hours. And so, but you know, we had a few simple rules of two per- two people, two employees per shift. Um, we had cameras. Uh, there's a saying, an Arabic saying that says, uh, "Trust God, but top your camel." So we wasn't totally uh, <laughs> idiotic, and uh, you know, but uh, but in terms of our messaging to the community, uh, at least for our standpoint. Uh, we wanted to uh, demonstrate that um, if the community is not safe, we're not going to be safe. And uh, also demonstrate a faith in our uh, residents um, here in Santa. Um, I, I, we have had, uh, of course, chewing gum uh, to be taken, and they were by our kindergartners who attended our New Song School. Um, but we, we don't have any hard stories to go behind that. And Gary's Goods was an opportunity of empowerment. Truly it was. Uh, our opening, we were able to hire, uh, in addition to Gary, uh, seven employees from the neighborhood. Uh, our, our youth participated in the uh, logo competition of which, you know, so the Gary's Goods logo, which is the double G inside of a coffee mug, was uh, actually designed fully by a sixth grader who attended our school, who lived down the street from various goods. This is the type of messaging, 
you know, this is the type of little small steps of um, encouraging the community that there's a lot of talent in this community. There's a lot of beauty in this community. We just got to, you know, uh, step out there and show it. And potential. You're listening to a segment from the Mark Steiner Show archives. Send your thoughts about this show to talk at steinershow.org or tweet me at Mark Steiner. This is Mark Steiner, and you're listening to Soundbites, our weekly look at food, agriculture, and our future here on the Mark Steiner Show. From your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community, and broadcast on Delmarva Public Radio, WSDL 90.7 FM. Today, we're going to bring you the first part of a town hall meeting I moderated in Baltimore City on food and jobs and how neighborhoods can become more self-sufficient. It was part of our Food and Faith Project, a collaboration with the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health's Center for a Livable Future. This town hall meeting took place in Sandtown, Winchester, which was at the center of the Baltimore Uprising and was the neighborhood where Freddie Gray lived and was arrested. He died in police custody at the age of 25, and I sat down with three members of the faith community who were all working on food issues in interesting ways from holding large grocery chains accountable for the food they provide to Baltimoreans with limited access to fresh food, to putting people to work through the construction of hoop gardens that can feed their neighbors. Our guest and host, by the way, was Elder C.W. Harris of Strength to Love, Two Farm, and Newborn Holistic Ministries, Antoine Bennett of the New Song Community Church, and Melissa Kelly of No Boundaries Coalition at St. Peter Claver. So... I really want to kind of wrestle and talk about with you all the, the, this, this uh, um, the, the idea of potential, of what can be. And one of the things that Elder uh, Sylvia Harris and I talked about a little bit before we started here was something that came up, has been coming up in my radio program a lot, when people have been wrestling with the question of violence in communities and where to go and what to do in housing. And what's... Part of the dynamic has been from people speaking on the air is that nobody's listening to or understanding that the leadership exists. In by nobody, I mean people in power, yes. people in, pol- in the political power, people in the philanthropic power, don't get that the leadership already exists. Yes. That it's here in these communities. Absolutely. And people in the communities have the answers. Absolutely. They don't have to be told the answers. No. Do not have to be told, and I agree with you uh, 100%. First of all, in 1997, there was a survey. In the 72-square block area of Sandtown, there are 52 church in the 72-square block area. Now, a recent survey was taken by uh, Elder um, Antoine and Dr. Lewis Wilson, and they found that uh, 35. So uh, the church are the moral compass of the community. So right then, that's potential. And uh, we have a group called the uh, Cuts Group, which is Clergy United for the Transformation of Sandtown, which are uniting these churches together so that we can um, show how we are the moral compass of the community and be able to receive the respect that we used to in bygone years. 
And unless you were talking about a survey you all did, right? With, um, we did a survey, a listing campaign with the corner stores. Right. We're also partnered with Baltimore City Health Department in that. And what we did, we interviewed about 40 corner stores about selling healthy foods, produce into their stores. Out of those 40 stores, we picked four stores. Lafayette Market, Mosier Market, Everything is Cheap, and I can't remember the name of the other market. Um, the one on Lafayette Market, that was like our pilot store. She has pretty much agreed to everything that we have asked her to do. She is all about the community. Um, the refrigeration that she had in her store, she told us the only way that she could do it is if she had a better refrigerator. So No Boundaries purchased her a refrigerator. Um, we will do anything that we can do for the stores to com just commit to us to sell healthier foods in their stores. We also will be starting another listening campaign July 1st where we will be picking for more stores. Um, altogether, I think we're going to have 12 stores. And then I believe we're going to branch out of this community once we get enough in this community, and we're going to go to other communities that may possibly need their corner stores to sell fresh foods as well. So, I, I, again, let me, let me push where we were going before a moment, is, is the idea of, of, a, of what could be. You know, I mean, I know that when you talked, when we, when we, at the beginning of this, in the beginning of the farm, uh, Elder Harris, it had to do with, um, with, with, uh, with uh, the company that you all worked with, with Ted Ross's company, Real, 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 yes. Big, yeah, City right. Big City Farms. Big City Farms. Farms. Couldn't get mm -hmm. the name of my head from Big City Farms. But the other vision is how people feed themselves. Mm -hmm. The other vision is how you feed a community. What does it mean for a community to control its own food? And how the three of you think we get there in this part, in this west side part of our town? Mm -hmm. How we get to the point where people actually control what goes on around them? Mm -hmm. Well, keeping the money in the community mm -hmm. is it's, 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 it's one thing. Uh, we have to... Um, it's called uh, asset base. We have to really uh, discover those uh, uh, entities that's in the community that are successful. And we have to support them to the hilt that they can expand, as, as was mentioned by uh, Sister Melissa, that um, uh, one who was willing to work with us needed help with their freezer. So what we did, we got together and we made sure that she had what she needed. That need to be um, something done uh, throughout all of our uh, 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 servants, our political servants, uh, in supporting us that way. We have the potential here to, 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 to make that change. So when we do that, we are, uh, we are able to spend within our communities, and we're able to take control, um, uh, as, as uh, the scripture uh, teaches us, occupy until they come. We are able to take back what was taken from us, and, uh, uh, and then we don't, um, uh, as, as Ray Charles saying, we're not asking for a handout but a hand, and, and, and because we can do the rest. Mm -hmm. Antoine, what were you about to say? Well, I think that um, uh, just a few thoughts. One, I think that it's very important for us to get behind those who are leading the way. Uh, and when I say us, I'm 
talking about primarily the uh, community and specifically the community leaders. Uh, I think that 100% moving forward, uh, being behind No Boundaries and, and uh, Strength of Love 2 as they uh, endeavor, go on this endeavor, uh, not on our behalf, but in partnership with us. Uh, and so and in addition to that, you can't talk about food, healthy food, and not talk about jobs. Right. You can right. have, you can have a, a table full of healthy food. You can have a, a hell of a banquet, excuse my French. But if nobody can afford to get, uh, pay to get in, it's a moot point. And so we have to have this intersection uh, or this parallel track that's always dancing together. Uh, and so it's the leadership development piece. It's the getting behind those who are becoming mavens in this effort, experts in this effort. And also to always keep in mind that employment is still a problem or lack thereof. It's still a, it's, we're not past that. We're not past that. We don't, we don't have deadbeat dads in our community. We have dead broke dads in our community. Say that again. We don't have deadbeat dads in our community. We have dead broke dads in our community. <laughs> we, we, that's a myth we have to break. Yes. 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 Another yes. myth. Another <laughs> myth. A myth we have to break. You can quote me on that, and I say that very humbly. <laughs> and so... But let, 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 so one of the words that I think Elder Harris used earlier, and let me just wrestle this word for a moment, talk about what it means in terms of jobs that can take place out of the world of food in, the, in communities here. Um, when we, you said returning citizens. Yes. Citizens coming home. Home right? from incarceration. Right. So I think it's an important point to think about people as citizens coming yeah, home. Yeah, absolutely. Right? As a concept, and that's my ter- that's my term too. Right. Um, I got. I'm, I'm going to use it now. I'll give you credit once in a while, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> but I, I think that, and let's talk about that. I mean, I, I, I really want to kind of begin to get from the three of you. Three of you all are spiritual leaders mm-hmm. in this community uh, who come from that place. Yes, um, and that this conversation is about the intersection of food and faith. Mm-hmm. And where that power comes from, mm-hmm. but part of that power has to be in people making a living, jobs to take care of families, and part of it can happen in this world of food. Yes, let's talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yes. How you see that? How you all see that? Well, uh, as as I forestated, we have uh, eighteen hoops on uh, Monroe and Lorman. Uh, we have hired up to six people already. Uh, uh, in that effort, uh, and we are rehiring now. So um, it is. Um, we're always eating, and um, and some of our food is going to Johns Hopkins uh, University. So I'm proud of that fact. Uh, so um, this is a way where. People who learn how to uh, grow vegetables and uh, uh, fruit can receive income uh, at wages that's pleasant to the heart, soul, and pocket um, uh, and and able to survive, able to take care of their home, able to uh, take care of the things that they need, those staples in life. So that's here in the community, and it's and it's within the community, and it is passing itself around, beginning at the farm. 
So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about what that could really be? I mean, I know that, uh, I'm going to go right to Melissa. I mean, that you, you work with returning citizens every day, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So, uh, so what, what could this really do? I mean, what's the vision of where this could, you know, when you look at this drawing that Elder Harris has here, of the potential farm to be built, stores to be built, on these two corner lots right here, mm -hmm. what that could bring in. So I want to talk about the potential of the, the, the empowering community to create jobs for men and women who live here and who are coming home. Well, I, I think that's, that's what you just said is very key, um, the, the place-based part of this. Uh, you, you, we, we want our uh, youth and our young adults, particularly our males, to stop selling weed on the corner. What better way to get them to do that than to trade the vegetation? You know, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to entertain here, but I'm, you know, if I don't, I'm under a lot of pressure. And if I don't look at this thing sort of with a humorous spirit or, you know, a very realistic spirit, I'll get swallowed up and we'll get swallowed up in the work that we, it's just that heavy. It's a matter of life and death. And encouragement, this encouragement factor, enforcement of, you know, positive uh, encouragement, uh, having these young men to be employed uh, in a community uh, of which they have uh, created absolute havoc in some cases, have con greatly concerned the community, and have them have that transition take place in that same place is well, very important. Well, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, but th we're not reinventing the wheel. No. There's a program in Frisco that's the, that is the Lancy Street Project. Right. And, and, and all we're doing is duplicating that process here on the east side. And, and it is working marvelously with those returning citizens from incarceration. I'm that's a good point. They, everything. They, they're running everything over there. And folk are dying to hire them. They are able to start their own businesses, but folk are dying to hire them. They can't wait till they finish the program so they can, so they can be hired. And it's important if, if you have young folk who are already doing the right thing and they take on these jobs in the community. You really don't make the impact, but if you have somebody who's been through something, take on these jobs. You know, then you start to see the real change. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't want nobody to quote me, A students, they don't need our attention. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we know and we saw, uh, if, if the uprising didn't teach us anything, it taught us that, you know, there's a real pain out there. You know, and it, it belongs to a segment of our community that we have uh, sort of neglected. You know, uh, I won't say it absolutely, but we sort of neglected them. And so uh, this idea of having those same pocket of folk, uh, again, being uh, experts in their own life, in the same community of which they call home, many do not want to leave Baltimore City. Many do not want to leave Sandtown. Have them uh, have opportunities of which they can go from being feared to cheered. You know, you'll start to see a real turnaround. And that's what I'm seeing in my work with them uh, through, through, through the church. Melissa, jump in here with this. Um, I do agree with Elder Harris about keeping the money in your community. I believe if the money was kept in your community, then you would have the money to have places that sold food, grocery stores, things like that. Um, and food does bring community together. After the uprising, um, 
we we have someone in this room that organized a food drive at St. Peter Claver Church, and we fed over 450 families with that food distribution. And the night after the uprising, we had about 80 people at the church, and we ordered pizza, and we all sat down together, and we talked as a community and experienced our pain and everything together. So food does bring community together. I, I, I work for the administration department at Goodwill. I, Goodwill's whole mission is to help people. That's their whole entire mission. So I went to our CEO, like, we need jobs in our community. They were like they needed free space. So my priests offered the free space at the hall. So Goodwill is going to give four career fairs a year in the hall and only hire residents from 21217 from these career fairs that take place over here. If they need um, training in how to write a resume, how to have the interview, or need training to and more skills. If they're not skilled, like in working clerical, they can get the skills. And at the end of the programs, they don't necessarily have to have a job through Goodwill because Goodwill is partnered with um, other places, Bond Secures, John Hopkins. Uh, we have contracts at Fort Meade, Social Security. So they could, through the training and the program, they could actually, that would give them hope and hopefully they can be hired. If you have a thought, please raise your hand. I want to come out there and hear what you all uh, have to say about where we are now in this community and what you think the vision of the future could be. And I'm really more and more interested in the vision of the future and in practical terms how it can be built because the vision part of this community is the idea of these permanent greenhouses being built here that can feed people and hire people. And by the way, we can have chickens in Baltimore. <laughs> we just can't have a rooster. <laughs> we can have a chicken and goats. Hmm. I, think, I don't know if you have male goats or not, but I don't know if you have a goat. Yeah. So anybody out here want to jump into this conversation? Let me go out here. trip and tear this place up. Okay, good. Hold on to this. Uh, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. You are? I'm uh, Matthew Loftus. I've uh, lived in St. Tom for five years now. Doctor. Um, yeah, doctor. doctor. <laughs> yes. Um, my question to you guys is um, connecting the provision and the uh, consumption. So um, I know one of the challenges with Gary's Goods was just related to the fact that um, it was hard to keep the business, you know, keep the business sustaining based with the customers, uh, with having enough customers, buying enough things to keep it running. Um, I know that, uh, you know, the the current strength to love to farm is great, um, but it's still most of the lettuce that is grown is um, purchased and eaten outside of the community. Um, so how do we connect it? How do we connect the what what is grown here and what is built here uh, with um, the needs of um, customers and consumers here in Sandtown and? Uh, to what degree does that limit our ability to scale? You know, you know the, the people that are being helped right now are absolutely being helped, um, but how many people do you think we could employ with a, if we just kept scaling the system up? Good question. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we are a new young group. We're, we're going to have our um, farmer's market 
in um, uh, the not-too-distant future, and we will be able to serve uh, the community. Uh, that's, that's number one. Uh, the second question was, um, oh, how many people we can hire? Uh, a crop square takes about three people, uh, and that's, that's a little fuzzy. So uh, if we continue to build these crop squares, um, every, every six hoops, we're able to hire three or four people. So uh, that's a plus. And, um, and of course... Uh, if we expand and then we're ever learning, we learn how to distribute. That's more job and more money. Or as we say in the hood, more money. <laughs> um, the one thing like No Boundaries just did, we just hired a healthy food organizer. We got a grant, so we were able to hire a healthy food organizer and pay them $15,000 for six months. And the more funding we get in, we will keep hiring residents in the 21217 zip code. We are also getting ready to open up a stall in the Avenue Market to sell fresh produce and healthy vegetables. Um, the only problem that we've been having is securing a vendor, and Daryl told me tonight that you know he knows vendors, so I'll be calling Daryl tomorrow at work, and we'll be discussing it. Um, another, and how I met Daryl was funny. Last year, Baltimore had their first ever healthy food forum at Lexington Market, and Daryl had his book of his food and faith project. And I was standing at his table reading it, and it was really interesting. So I connected with him. And in connecting with Daryl, when we did our messaging campaign, Daryl, I wrote a little article, and he gave us $500 towards our messaging campaign. And we had our messaging campaign at Lafayette Market, where State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby, Councilman Nick Mosby, and their daughters came, other members of our organization, came and took pictures of, like, standing with healthy foods and water, which will be going up around the grocery stores in Baltimore. So the way that everything is going to work is if we all partner together. But sometimes the community leaders cannot do it all by themselves. We need help from the residents. The more voices that we have, the more we will be heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would That's agree. I, I think intentional collaborations are... Uh, like, I, I was just sitting here thinking if Gary's Goods had some overlap with the hoop farms, which it wasn't. Hoop farms came uh, came uh, years after, uh, well, a few years after Gary's Goods. But imagine, because uh, we were always asked, uh, particularly in our second year, third year, well, why don't you have more healthy product? Not that we sold a bunch of we certainly didn't sell anything expired. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would inspect you. Yeah. We, we were running a business, uh, correct. Uh, and, and I think that it was an incremental uh, thing that, that needed to take place in terms of uh, uh, food preference uh, from our neighbors. Uh, and we did introduce some healthy things uh, towards the sort of tail end of. Uh, Gary's goods, but uh, imagine that uh, conversation uh, that would have taken place and, and, and employment opportunity. Like I said, we hired seven folks. 
uh, Elder Harris uh, hired, uh, I think he started out with six mm-hmm. six folk. Uh, but our folk were uh, part-time. Imagine the overlap that could have taken place. Uh, so we would have generated a, a livable wage for those individuals who were working for both. And I think those type of uh, conversations uh, was going to be key. Um, and I think that the commitment to having intentional collaborations moving forward, you know, because if you have it in pockets here and there and other things going on, uh, you you won't have it. I mean, you, you look at your hand. I mean, this makes a, a strong bang if I close these digits. But if it's open, I may just break my fingers. Uh, if I plan on banging this table, if I'm planning on making an impact, uh, it's going to take folks coming together. And I know it's easier said than done. Uh, and it is a, it's a leadership thing. Uh, coupled with uh, having uh, folks from the community who at least give, care a little bit about, you know, and they can grow in their, edu- in their education as it relates to uh, healthy foods and employment because I do think that they're dance partners. I want us to walk away with that, and I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence. Like, you don't know that, but I'm reinforcing if you do, they're dance partners. They're dance partners, healthy food and jobs. Anybody else out here want to say something, question, thought, idea? I'll come over here. So as I, as I run the next one, I'm going to ask a political question on the way over to our next person. When we talked to about Save-A-Lot and what they're selling, mm-hmm. and we know that, that, that most people are going to buy their food from supermarkets, and they're going to buy their food from the closest store they have, which is a corner store. Um, the A-Rabbers are not on the street like they used to be, in the numbers they used to be, selling fresher food. So what's the political pressure that has to be pulled, put to make those changes? I mean, you talked a little bit ago, Melissa, about, about um, people, sta- huh? people standing with you Yes. outside, save a lot, saying, yes. this is illegal, you cannot sell these, seems yes. you shouldn't be shopping here. But what's the political pressure that has to happen to change that, that dynamic when it comes to food in the community? What do you all think? Um, we have to keep push and save a lot and that's one of the reasons why I'm going to the media because once save a lot sees that I'm blasting them out no store if they want to stay in business and continue making money is not going to do that I do need people standing behind me the more people I have standing behind me then they will change our you know I need to have more meetings with our political leaders and let them know what is going on in our community because they can help change that as well Another thing. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Well, no boundaries. <laughs> no boundaries is hooked up with uh, um, build, and uh, we are hooking ourselves up together with uh, one Baltimore, and uh, there will be a big meeting uh, on the 18th uh, uh, at St. Peter Claver's. One Baltimore, no boundaries. Myself, yeah, along with uh, um, other groups, mm-hmm. we are uh, stirring up the political strength that we need to bring about the change that w- changes that we're asking for. So that's the church, the community, and uh, uh, our public servants working together. And it takes the three of us to make that happen. So that's going to be the 18th, and, and, and it'll be 6 o'clock across the street. I would love to have to see all of you all there. God bless you. 
I think that um, in addition to uh, political pressure, and that takes advocacy, uh, what uh, these wonderful folks are talking about, but it, also I think that you, you'll see an attitude with, uh, in my, my opinion, you'll see an attitude with uh, Save a Lot because they are the only market. So you got to think about, as you're putting pressure on them, also put some energy behind bringing a store here, a market here. Nothing changes the attitude of a of a market like another market coming in to go somewhere Right, and to speak on that, the meeting that night, like me and the corporate manager, but it heads. And, you know, it was unprofessional, but there was voices raised and everything because she acted like she didn't care. And I'm like, you are killing people. So I made my voice be heard with her, and if I had to over-talk her or so I've already caught the attitude from Save a Lot. I've sure. already caught that. I don't mm-hmm. care about the attitude because right is right and wrong sure. is wrong. And I've also been working with the city, the planning commission of the city, to try to bring an affordable grocery store in Sandtown. What I have to do is try to find 40,000 square feet, even abandoned houses, and see deal with the city, see how we can acquire those abandoned houses, and do another listening campaign with the residents and ask them how they would feel about bringing the grocery store into their community. So that has been in the works for a few months, and I will continue to push that, but right now my main concern is to save a lot and selling expired food. The Mark Steiner Show and Soundbites are productions of the Center for Emerging Media and made possible in part by a grant from the Town Creek Foundation. Our producers are Stephanie Mavronis and Mark Gunnery. Our engineer is Andre Melton. Our engineer at Delmarva Public Radio is Christopher Rank. Our theme music is by Wal Matthews of Clean Cuts. To podcast The Mark Steiner Show and share it with your friends, visit us on the web at steinershow.org or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app. You can also learn more about Soundbites and listen to past episodes at soundbitesradio.org. And for your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community, and WSDL 90.7 FM, Delmarva Public Radio. I'm Mark Steiner. Take care.